This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hello, I'm Oliver Condit, the editor of BBC Music Magazine, and welcome to the BBC Music Podcast. You can buy a copy of the magazine at your local newsagents or download our app to your iPad, Kindle Fire or Android tablet. And for the latest music news and more, head to our website at classical-music.com. In this week's podcast, Reviews Editor Rebecca Franks joins me in the studio to talk about the November issue's recording of the month, a recording of Foray's Requiem by the choir of King's College, Cambridge, with soloists Gerald Finlay and Tom Picard, with the Orchestra of the Age of Enlightenment and the King's Director of Music, Stephen Cleabury. And that's actually on their own label. This is um, quite an interesting development, I think, for the choir of King's College. They've only done a few recordings, but they're really sort of setting out their stall, aren't they? Yes, they are. Um, this, as you say, they set up their own record label back in 2012. And since then, we've seen some really interesting recordings. There's this, this original uh, sort of liturgical performance of the Foray Requiem, which we'll come to talk about. But there's also been a Mozart Requiem disc where they've included um, other realisations of the, the incomplete score by various other composers. Um, they've done uh, a Britain disc. Um, they've recently released some sort of close harmony kind of things from their close harmony group from, from the college choir so it's a very interesting um, mix and everything you know they're sort of popular works that they've chosen for the for the bigger recordings but they each of them has a sort of some kind of twist something a little yes, bit different and like the Mozart Requiem this also includes a sort of another version if you like of the Foy Requiem this is as they say on the back of the CD itself 
um, the uh, it's, it's, it's the first complete liturgical performance version of Foray's Requiem. I mean, it's, it's ever so slightly misleading because actually this is the second version of the Requiem which was first performed liturgically. So it's a slightly... Um, it, it, it takes takes getting one's head around. It does. It. I mean, it has. I mean, the requiem itself has this very complicated um, sort of history in the various different versions of different movements that were added and different instruments that were added and different places that it was performed. So that in itself is um, sort of quite complicated. And then they haven't gone for the the first ever version, but something that was heard a bit later with some of the extra bits as you say and they've called it the first complete liturgical performance but and this new edition was done by a french musicologist um, marc rigaudier and that was published just in 2011 i think before we talk more actually we should hear, should, an, we hear something, an, an extract from it <laughs> um we'll hear the track three which is the offertoire um which is a shorter version of the offertoire in this version um and according to the sleeve notes it actually sort of makes the requiem a little bit more balanced whereas all the movements are, are more the the same length otherwise the the offertoire is usually about eight minutes long but this is the shorter sort of uh, just under three minutes worth <laughs> So that was uh, an extract from uh, the offertoire from um, this version of the Foray Requiem that King's College Cambridge has chosen to perform. And the interesting thing is the orchestrations are slightly different to how one m- might be used to the Requiem. The 1900 version is the one I think we're all used to with a slightly bigger orchestra. Uh, this one, however, is was written to be performed at La Madeleine in Paris. And because um, it was written to go with the organ which doesn't feature any two-foot pipes. It's all four-foot and eight-foot pipes. are quite sort of muddy. The orchestration is entirely pretty much... The strings are pretty much violas. Yes, it's a divide of violas and, and cellos. So we have a, a solo violin doing, um, you know, some uh, has lovely appearances. But yes, the general kind of sound world that we're talking is much... Is, is quite a dark one, quite a, a murky one in a way. I mean, we just heard a bit of the offertoire and I think actually that's one of the... I, I rather like this shortened version in a way and it's very beautifully performed here by Gerald Finley um, who's sort of really captures the mood. He doesn't stand out too much. He kind of blends. He's not too operatic, but he doesn't kind of... He's not too choral. He sort of just finds exactly the right um, right note. For and, and, and what really, uh, I think, um, makes it work for me is the opening of the Requiem features this sort of long-held unison note. And I think it suits the sort of slightly more muted, slightly gloomier tone, if you like, of the, of the sort of the, um, the alto without the treble i think it i think it works very well well it's interesting i mean the the, the sort of version the symf- sort of symphony orchestra version the bigger version um 
I think if you sort of have a look at the score and, and read about what people have said about it, it includes lots of doublings of instruments, and it wasn't. It was really for. It was kind of forced in a way to make this version, and it's not. We're not even sure that he actually did it himself. I think there's um, sort of some scholars think that because the score is riddled with errors, it was probably actually one of his pupils that really did that orchestration, and then he just mm. put his name to it. So. Mm. In a way, there is quite a strong case for going back to the... And it's what John Rutter did as well to try and go back for his edition. Um, I think there are problems with that as well, but to go back to this original, more intimate kind of sound world. Mm. And, it, and it works beautifully with the Agnus Day. I think, with that gorgeous theme at the start. You know, It's quite sort of unadulterated. I think we should just sort of hear the start of the Agnus Day. So that was an extract from the Arnus Day from Fores Requiem performed by the Choir of King's College, Cambridge, with the Orchestra of the Age of Enlightenment under Stephen Cleebury. And the, the vocal solos, as you were saying earlier, are, are um, absolutely stunning, aren't they? There's a sort of clarity and a real sense of purpose to them that I think suits this this, this recording very well. Yes, and I think Tom Pickard, the treble, does a, a lovely, lovely job of that as well. And actually, I, I mean, I thought the choir is on very, very good form. And there were some moments where I thought the trebles in particular really had that wonderful sort of ethereal, otherworldly sound. Because, I mean, I think this Requiem, I mean, it's, it's very, obviously, a gentle, peaceful kind of work. Mm. Um, and there's always that feeling of sort of plain song and almost, for us now, that sort of um, uh, timeless quality. Yes, and the acoustics work well in the King's College, Cambridge. I, 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 I feel though, with this 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 historically informed performance, or this sort of inverted commas authentic performance, one can go sort of too far in many ways. I mean, in terms of the organ only allowing the stops to be performed that appear on the Madeleine Choir organ. I mean, those stops don't sound anything like that organ anyway. I mean, for a start, the King's College organ is in tune, whereas the, <laughs> the, the choir organ in the Madeleine, I don't think I've ever heard it in tune. Um, but but also the acoustic in the Madeleine is, is much more swimming pool-like. It's, it's much more... Um, open and, and, and echoey. Yeah, in a way, I mean, this does have all these sort of claims to authenticity, but in a way, and I don't really mean this as a negative, but it is a sort of hybrid kind of um, performance because we do get, you know, they've included the longer version of the offertoire um, mm. that is more familiar just in case people want to hear it. So they're not kind of saying we're just going to stick with this version. There's a little bit of kind of trying to, to, to accommodate both, mm. really. And as you say, it's a different building, it's a different setup, it's a different, it's a different setup. world. And, it's but, a British but, choir, not a French choir. Exactly, you know. it, doesn't, it doesn't matter because the sound is absolutely wonderful. I mean, the, the, you know, yeah. as academic as the sleeve notes are, and please make the text slightly bigger <laughs> next time. I did need your magnifying glass for um, <laughs> that, I did. The, 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 the sound, the editing, the, um, the, the, the singing, the performing is is. is second to none. I mean, it really is a wonderful recording. It is. And they're, I mean, you know, they're such disciplined musicians, and I think that, that comes across as well. 
this is a choir that pretty much sings together every day in, in King's Chapel for, for the services. And you, they really feel it as one here. The blend is, is great and, and their sense of sense of phrasing. Um, they've been coached as well in sort of French pronunciation. So I think that's very good as well. They might not be a French choir, but there is that sense of, of making it as French as possible in that way. Yes, absolutely. A French pronunciation of Latin is, is very different from English pronunciation of yeah. Latin. Um, I, I was really struck by the trebles, actually. Um, and I think we can sort of hear them at their best almost in the Mess Bass, which is a rather lovely little mass written for, in fact, the women at La Madeleine. Of course, this is where the authenticity, as it were, sort of slightly falls down because here the boys are singing it. But I think we should hear the Kyrie from the Mess Bass just to sort of get an idea of, of that wonderful blend. So that was an extract from the opening of the Mess Bass by Gabriel Fauré on this new disc of Fauré's Requiem. Uh, also included is the Conti de Jean Racine, a sort of old pot boiler, really. But I suppose the mark of a great choir is they make a pot boiler seem like a refresh, a new, fresh work that they, can be enjoyed anew. They do, and they show that Fauré could, he's one of the composers who could write a good tune. I think they do it. This is well quite a youthful work, but it, but it is an amazing tune, and it's, it almost feels like uh, sort of a folk tune as good as you know, something that he didn't write that, that has yep. always existed it's Absolutely. like one of those wonderful tunes That brings us to the end of our discussion of uh, our recording of the month. Join us next time when we'll be discussing the December issues recording of the month. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this BBC Music Magazine podcast, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Jack Fletcher. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at classical-music.com or simply head to iTunes.